taken from the reading is taken from John 4 verses 43 to 54 Jesus heals an official son after the two days he left for Galilee now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country when he arrived in Galilee the Galileans welcomed him they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realised that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Father, open your word, not just to our minds, but to our hearts by the power of your spirit so that we might obey and believe. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in John's Gospel, as we mentioned. We've been in this Gospel all year. We've got a theme for the year, hear, believe and obey. And this keeps up coming up repeatedly in John's Gospel. What we've done in John's Gospel is break... Because it's one big long gospel, we're going to the first 12 verses, we're breaking it up into little series or little sections with a different title. We're just starting a new series which I've titled Life in the Sun. Because from this point on, for the next little bit, we see that Jesus brings life. Today you see it quite clearly. He brings life. This royal official has a son who's at the edge of death and Jesus acts to heal the son. Jesus brings life. Jesus is quite clearly a saviour. And what we see is actually not that strange. Doctors do it all the time. Certain doctors, those who work in emergency or maybe with heart conditions, do this all the time. Those who are emergency surgery, someone is at the edge of death and they come along and they do something without their intervention and they save the person. Not just doctors, um, air and sea rescue people do this all the time. People are on, in peril. They're at the edge of death and they come along and they save them. So the question I want to ask is, they're a bit different to Jesus, surely. So what kind of saviour is Jesus? Uh, as opposed to a doctor or an air and sea rescue. So I can tell you this one thing though. 
whatever sort of saviour you are, the response you need to your saviour is in some way to hear, believe and obey. The doctor says you've got a major heart condition, you need treatment today, you need to believe and you need to obey. Air and Sea Rescue comes down with their helicopter, the man's hanging off the rope and says you're going to drown. Hold on to this and do this and do that. You need to hear, you need to believe, you need to obey. Jesus says, I am the saviour of the world, the saviour from sins. You need to hear, you need to believe, you need to obey. Pretty straightforward response to a saviour. But what sort of saviour is Jesus? Is he a helicopter saviour or of some other sort? Well, the story we have had in John's Gospel so far tells us quite clearly what sort of saviour Jesus Christ is. So a brief recap. At the introduction of John's Gospel, he gives us an introduction and he tells us very clearly that Jesus is the Word of God, that he is the light of the world, that he is indeed God himself. He is the Son of God. He is called Jesus Christ, which is Jesus Messiah, which means he is the anointed King of Israel. John the Baptist comes on the scene after this. He's the start of the story. And John the Baptist says about Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what sort of saviour he is. Disciples start to follow Jesus. These men come and they say, hey, I'm going to follow this guy. And they say, because you're the Messiah. You're God's promised anointed king. The first miracle Jesus performs, recorded in John, is to change water to wine at a wedding. The one who brings new life, a new day. It's a sign. From that miracle, up in Galilee, up north, Jesus at Passover time for the festival goes down to Jerusalem and enters the Passover and he goes into the temple, God's temple, and he sees money changes and he sees people doing business and he's horrified and he gets a whip and he drives people out of the temple and turns over the money tables. People say, who are you? How can you do this? He causes quite a kerfuffle. Back there in chapter 3 we read this, Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem. Verse 23, not 3.23, 2.23. Now while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. The Pharisees, the religious rulers were a bit threatened. One of them came to Jesus at night time. His name was Nicodemus. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus is doing signs. He leaves Jerusalem and starts baptising with his disciples in the Judean region near the Jordan River, close to where John is also, John the Baptist is also baptising. Opposition arises and so he decides to head back up north to Galilee where he came from, where he grew up. To get to Galilee, you have to go through Samaria. That's the shortest route. Now, in Samaria live the Samaritans. Jews hate Samaritans. They're half-breed Jews. They've distorted the scriptures. They've distorted their theology and their doctrine. We hate the Samaritans. We do not talk to Samaritans. They are the worst, worst, worst. Jesus travels through and he meets a woman beside a well and he tells this woman, you know, you've got water there. I'll give you living water that will get well up for eternal life. She's She's getting all confused. What's, a, what's he talking to me, a Samaritan woman, for? 
And what the heck is he talking about? And she responds to him in chapter 4. She says, I know that the Messiah, that is the Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I am the Messiah. Oh. Guess what? She believes. She goes home. She tells friends. They come and meet Jesus. And they also, these Samaritans, believe. She's quite an ungodly woman. She's had four husbands. She's now longer with her husband. But she believes that Jesus is the promised Messiah. That's what sort of saviour he is. And she shares it. We read at the end of chapter 4. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So they came and they urged him to stay, but because of the words, many more became believers. There's a great response to who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. What kind of saviour? He is the saviour of the world. He is God's promised Messiah. Even for ungodly Samaritans. He's heading back to Jewish territory. And this is where we pick up the story in our Bible reading. After two days he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country. He's going back to his own country. How is he going to be received? Will he receive honour? Well, it seems that when he gets back there, he does because they receive him and welcome him as a wonderful saviour. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. What's this no honour business? They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival for they also had been there. See, some of them were in Jerusalem for the Passover and they saw what Jesus was doing. And they've been talking about it. He's from Galilee. He's from our home. He's from where we live. And they've been talking about it ever since they got back. And now he's turned up and there's excitement and there's energy and people are coming to see what he's doing. And now he's here, the wonder worker, the miracle worker, the signs man. What's he going to do for us? Well, let's go and see. You can almost imagine them jostling for position because, hey, I've got some healing. I, need some, I want to see this. I've got a sore shoulder at the moment. And they're probably trying to jostle position, but we live in such an unjust world. You imagine the Pope's coming to town. I ring up the Cardinal. Even if I get through to the Cardinal or whoever he's called, the Bishop. I ring him up and say, hey, I'd like to see the Pope when he comes to town. Malcolm Turnbull's secretary also rings up the Cardinal and says, I'd like to see the Pope when he comes to town. Who's going to be first to get a reception? You reckon me or Malcolm Turnbull? It's so unjust, this world we live in. Jesus turns up, everybody's talking about it. And those in high places had heard and one of them had a need and he uses his influence and it would seem he jumps the queue. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him, really I think more requested him or asked him to come and heal his son who was close to death. 
he used his influence it would seem, probably working for King Herod to get straight to Jesus but he has a desperate need. His son is close to death. And when you think of that desperate need and you read Jesus' response, it's quite harsh. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. He says this to everybody. Unless all you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. It's as if Jesus is saying, if you want to believe in me, you've got to believe in me as more than just a wonderful saviour. Because I am more than just a wonderful saviour. Have you ever noticed how much effort people will put into, maybe you have done this yourself, to see the best doctor, the one they really want to see, or to go to the best hospital, the one where they'll get the best treatment? Because it's a health issue. They want the best. Is Jesus just the best doctor in town? And so we'll put all this effort in to see him as opposed to somebody else. Are they just seeing him for the signs and wonders that he might perform, for him to satisfy their felt need? I've got a sore shoulder. Jesus says, I'm not that kind of saviour. I'm, I'm more than the best doctor in town. In fact, if you believe in me on that level, well, that's not to believe in me at all. If you only come to me as a wonderful saviour, to meet your felt need. And I think lots of people tend to want to do that with Jesus Christ. Fix me up. Heal me. Give me this. Make me wealthy. I need to sort out my alcoholism. I need to sort out my relationships. Make me feel a certain way in touch with the spiritual realities. Jesus, I think, is suggesting that's not enough. You need to believe in him as more than just a wonderful saviour who can help you and meet your need. Well, this royal official, he hears Jesus say this rather harsh statement. All you want to do is come for me for signs and wonders. You will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. You think I've come to watch you put on a show? You think that I've made all this effort to see you just so I can watch you do perform like a circus clown? My child is sick and about to die and I have heard that you can heal him. I don't care about wonders. I just want my child saved from death. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Literally, more literally I think in the original, the man believed in the word that Jesus had said. He believed in the word that Jesus had said. Go, your son will live. Jesus who brings life. Just Jesus' word was enough and he believed not in a wonderful saviour but a powerful saviour whose word held authority. 
And despite the fact that he was a royal official and that he had power, he submitted to the word of Jesus and obeyed. Without having seen any proof, he went home. It's a great demonstration of saving faith to believe the words of Jesus. And we, just like him, need to know Jesus as a powerful saviour, one whom we hear, believe and obey, even though at times the effects are unseen. We need to take Jesus at his word and believe him and enjoy his power. But you know, there's more to this story because Jesus is more than just a powerful saviour. Jesus is more than a force. Jesus is more than authority. He is someone who can be known and he saves us by his person. Verse 50. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word. He believed in the word Jesus said and he departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired about the time that his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the father realised this was the exact time which Jesus said to him, your son will live. So he believed. He and his whole household believed. Strange paradox in this passage he believed earlier. He believed the word of Jesus, but now he believes. He and his whole household. What's the difference? You know what I think the difference is? He's not just believing in Jesus as a powerful saviour. He's believing now in Jesus as a personal saviour. He's believing in the person of Jesus, who Jesus is. Most in Galilee gave no honour to Jesus, I believe. That's why Jesus quoted that thing. Most just treated him as a wonderful saviour, as a miracle worker. But this royal official, just like the despised Samaritans of chapter 4, came to believe in Jesus as God's Messiah, the Son of God, the Word of God, the Saviour of the world. And there's a massive difference there because you're not believing in Jesus for what he can do for you. You're not believing in Jesus just because he has the power and you're better. You're believing in Jesus for who he is and your relation. You're relationally entrusting yourself to him as he is, which is Saviour of the world, Lord of the universe. See, salvation, as Christians speak about it, is not being part of the glory events or feeling certain things or being present with God. It's not even not mere assent to certain truths. It is entering into a relationship with the living God through putting your faith, your belief in his Saviour, his Son, Jesus Christ. That is how salvation comes about. It's receiving Jesus as your Saviour in his person. 
It's personal. He is my Saviour. He is my Lord. And there is a great danger that our religion can become just a religion of felt needs. Well, I'm focused really on the spiritual. I just want to get engaged with the spiritual realities rather than the relational. Now, true, God is spirit and there are spiritual realities and Jesus is wonderful and God is wonderful. All that's true. And he makes a difference in our lives. But he is far more than just a wonder worker or a power to tap into to meet our felt needs. And if you only come to Jesus for what you can get out of him, then you won't really come to him at all because why would you bother? Because I'd rather just do what I want to do. And there is a danger that our religion can become purely external or cognitive or what we think about God rather than relational. Now it's true. Jesus' words are true. They do matter. What we believe about God and eternal truths and the nature and person of Jesus it matters enormously. But if Jesus is only what we believe in, if he is only concepts and doctrines and words, well, our faith expressed will just become rules and concepts and regulations. And that is not relationship, that is law. It's not enough. Jesus is alive. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is God's promised Messiah. He is the Word of God. He is the Son of God. He is light and life. And when we come to Him and believe on Him, we believe on Him as our Lord and our Saviour, the Saviour of the world, my personal Saviour. my God and my friend. And if you know him personally, this is the wonderful thing, if you know the living God through his son Jesus personally, you will decide, discover that the truths about him are glorious and wonderful and you'll want more of those truths. you want more of his word and his power. And when you receive more of his word and more of his spirit and more of his power, you will discover that you want more of his wonder and you'll experience more of his wonder and more of his goodness and more of him meeting your felt needs. But don't start there. You start with Jesus personally, my Saviour. Christ is enough. Everything I need is in him. Everything I need. Christ my all in all, the joy of my salvation. Now there's nothing else in this world that could ever satisfy Christ is enough for me. That is the simple, glorious wonder of truth, of salvation, forgiveness of sins, the gaining of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for such a great salvation, for such a wonderful...